0: sharp, pointed and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: A bill filed in the Florida House of Representatives this week would require all public high schools to offer Bible study classes. Parents could choose whether or not it's a class they'd like their kids to take. In the minute
2: they take Bible God
1: on the school this not of been problem. I'm not saying it's going to solve everything. For now, we will have to
3: wait and see. BuzzFeed's latest bombshell. If
1: true, important caveat.
0: How
3: close are we getting to
0: impeachment? Mueller didn't do the media any favors tonight, and he did do the president one.
3: There was a conspiracy with the president of the United States to uh, lie to Congress. Um, That's the first thing Michael Cohen would have led with um, months ago, and it's the first thing the special counsel would have included. Uh, I I never for a second thought there was anything to that uh, BuzzFeed story, and I'm glad the special counsel corrected the record. And now,
4: Stacey Washington.
1: Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have a jam-packed show for you. In fact, we're going to be speaking with fan favorite Kira Davis. She's now with townhall.com. And what's so exciting about that is that she's going to come on and talk to us about border security and some of the things that are going on since the president made his, really, it was an unprecedented offer to the Democrats. A whole lot of what they want and a lot of what his base would say we don't want. Uh, But it's a negotiation and he appears ready to deal. And the Democrats rejected it out of hand before they even had a chance to look at it. Uh, Typical, typical, typical. So, We've got that going on. We also will be looking at um a couple of really interesting stories. Um, we've obviously, this Mueller investigation is back in the public eye because uh, everyone wants to see something amazing that after he's been convicted of lying to Congress now uh this this ridiculous person, Cohen, now says that Trump told him to lie, which would change the entire framework of his deal that he negotiated, if he could prove that the president told him to lie to Congress, that would be uh, not just collusion and obstruction of justice, but that would be something that would definitely lead to his impeachment and removal from office. Why wouldn't he have led with that? Why wouldn't he have gotten a better deal? No prison time to help prove that because that would be bringing the president to justice. Instead, he waits until after the deal and he starts talking. And we don't even know if it's verified or if it's true, because obviously, uh, it 's not verified and it 's not true, and so BuzzFeed is back in the news again for bringing things to the fore that really aren 't things it 's not a thing uh for them to report something that 's unsourced and unverified so it's it's we'll we 'll get into that we also have i i'm for our daily confession today we 're going to actually tie this together with news um The first piece is about this she 's a Democrat she happens to be of the permanent tan. And her name is Florida State Representative Kimberly Daniels. She's a Democrat from the 14th Congressional District. And she introduced legislation earlier this month that would require public schools to offer Bible study as an elective for students in grades 9 through 12. Now, here's what's really, really interesting about that. This is a Florida House bill. It would require each school district to offer specified courses related to religion, Hebrew scriptures, and the Bible to certain students as elective courses. So in other words, as soon as you enter high school as a ninth through 12th grader, in addition to your slate of other options that you could learn about in school, you could select or elect to take courses in the Bible where you would actually read from the Bible and study it and learn it. Now, in private schools, this is already an option. And in most Christian schools, Bible is a course that you take. It's sometimes called Theology, Advanced Theology, Bible, Bible 1, Bible 2. There, it has various names, but in all things, it's not just the study of theology. It's the study of the actual scriptures, and it teaches students how to read and interpret the Bible and how it intersects with their daily lives. It helps them to form what we love to talk about here on this show and here on American Family Radio is Christian worldview. It helps them to see the world through the eyes of of a Christian, and to judge and make decisions based on what God's will is for you, as opposed to satisfying your own earthly whims and desires, satisfying your flesh, or going along with the crowd for popularity. Now, I would love to interview this woman, and we'll we'll see if we can do it. I mean, often I'll say, oh, I would love to interview that one, and then you guys don't hear about it. It's because we don't get a response back, or the person is not interested in doing radio interviews, and that's, you know, everybody can make their own choices, but she says in her In her discussion here, the school program would include an objective study of religion, an objective study of the Bible, including but not limited to to a course on the Hebrew scriptures and the Old Testament of the Bible, and a course on the New Testament. The program would also permit a brief meditation period, and the Florida Department of Education must include the courses in the course code directory. The reason she's mandating that, obviously, is because opponents of this type of education would say, Well, just leave it out of the directory. If people want to take it, they'll have to be smart enough to know it's there and elect to take it. She wants students to know it's there. In addition, the program must follow all state and federal laws and the guidelines in maintaining religious neutrality and accommodating the diverse religious views, traditions and perspectives of all students in the school. Now, I get she's including that because you know, there will be students there who are atheists or students who are maybe Jewish or students who, because a, a Jewish student might want to take this course and study the Bible. Um, a Muslim student might want to take this course and study the Bible so that they can learn about Christianity. Um, it, it's, it's open to anyone. No course would endorse, favor, or promote, or disfavor, or show hostility toward a particular religion, religious perspective, or non-religious faith. Now, I don't know how you study the Bible And you don't get a clear picture that God wants you to be a Christian and that Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins and that he's the only way to the father. I don't know how you study the Bible and not get that, but I respect her trying to bring it to the fore. Now, if the legislation is enacted, it would go into effect on July 1st of this year, meaning in the fall, Florida's high school students could actually be studying the Bible in public school now. I know people who say the separation of church and state. Well, we, why would you want this? The separation of church and state. Um, that's, that's a misnomer. And the idea that American children can't learn about the Bible in school is so ridiculous and so ludicrous. And I just, I point to the results. So if you're not a Christian or if you're a Christian who doesn't believe that the Bible should be studied in public school, can you look at the state of public schools today? Can, can you look at all the school shootings? Can you look at the bullying that goes on? Can you look at the lack of integrity and honesty that goes on in our public schools? Can you honestly say that they're better off than when we used to allow students to have Bible studies in school? The Bible was a part of the curriculum because it's a part of our Judeo-Christian history and our heritage. And back when the Bible was allowed, um, schools were calmer. There was less premarital sex, less uh, drug abuse. There was less of all of that. And you might say, well, it was a different time. It was a different time, but it was still human beings. People were still being people back then. Sin was still present, and people still had an inkling to do whatever they wanted. Uh, So, look, as Christians, we should be not only pushing this, but pointing out to public school administrators that this can only benefit students. Yes, there will be a little bit of strife and going back and forth between people who disagree about topics. Or things that the Bible says, but the studying of God's word in public schools means less violence, less uh, premarital sex, less of the things that all of these educators are really hoping to do something about. That's what the whole push to have sex education is about. We want kids to know about the human body. We want them to understand the human body. We want them to be able to make good choices if they're going to have sex, which they're going to. Most, most public school teachers will tell you, oh, your kids are going to have sex. If you say, no, they're not, we're teaching them differently. They'll say, yeah, you think you are, but they're going to be doing it behind your back. Like there's no way humanly possible a child could be a 17 or 18 year old and still have their, their sexual integrity. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's like saying everyone's going to be a drunk driver. Every person who gets a driver's license is going to drive drunk, so we might as well, you know, just uh, everyone is going to be a drunk driver. Do we hear people saying that? No. Human sexuality is the only area in which liberals would have us believe that it's completely out of our control, and that children can't be trained to be sexually chaste and to honor God's word with their bodies. And it's a lie. And it, it it doesn't become real for you, especially as a parent when your kids are smaller or as they become tweens, you know, they're right before the teenage years, until you meet someone whose adult child is chaste. And then all of a sudden, you begin to think, well, if her child, if these two people raise this adult woman who is not married to be chaste, it must be possible for me to do it. I remember the first time, I I actually, because my husband and I, were, we go to all the meetings, especially when when our kids are in public school, we would go to all the meetings and we would listen to them talking about sex ed curriculum. And I was frankly, I kept, felt kind of neutral on it because I, I had already been teaching our kids. We have an anatomy book at home that I used, an actual anatomy book that I used to point out the different parts of the human body to properly name them and to have the children become acquainted with, this is the body of a man, this is the body of a woman, here's the differences, and here's what the parts are called, from elbows to toes to everything else. This is what the body looks like on the inside. And that way. They knew they could ask me about it because I'd already introduced them to the concept that all of these body parts, they are all it's a part of your body. There's nothing wrong with any of these. But it was when we met this friend of mine, she's still a good friend of mine, and I found out that her adult daughter was chaste. That is when I really began to think about, well, I mean, if it's possible for them, and I know them, it's, it's possible for us. And if it's possible for us, there must be other parents out there who are still working towards this goal in spite of what the culture says, that we're all animals subject to our sexual whims and desires and unable to control ourselves, and that we just need to operate as if every child from the age of 12 on is sexually active. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord set us on a path where we not only met other parents and families in that same situation, but that we began to really change the way We communicated about it, the way we prayed about it, and the way we thought about it. And so this is perfect to see a Democrat. I mean, obviously, Republicans probably have the same ideas, but to see a Democrat and a Black woman bring this kind of legislation forward, it's outstanding. And I encourage others, if you're in local elected office or statewide elected office and you are listening to this show right now, not an accident for you to hear this story coming out right now. This Democrat offering a bill to make Bible study an elective in public schools. The story is over at cnsnews.com. You can find out more about Florida State Representative Kimberly Daniels, Democrat from the 14th District, by Googling her name. And any person who's listening to this, whether you're a parent, a legislator, a mayor, whether you've never, ever contacted anyone, you're just a taxpayer, whether you have kids in the district or not, anyone can help craft legislation like this and start looking for a legislator who would want to put this bill forward and give it consideration in your state. We're all over the country, this, this uh, you know, American Family Radio broadcasts all over the nation. And this should be the kind of stuff we get behind and try to see happen in our public schools. Because one of the things that I see happening, especially like our family, our kids are in Christian school, a lot of the families that would be very impactful in a public school environment have already said, not my kids, and they've taken their kids out. The parents who are left are working extremely hard to try to rescue their school districts. But it's not enough if you, your kid can't even have a Bible club after school in the building. That is the status of public school today. But they expect to get all of your tax dollars. They don't say, you Christians don't pay any taxes. Only the atheists and everybody else need to pay taxes into the school district. They want all of the tax, but they don't want any of the Christianity. And it's a very narrow group of individuals who are forcing this situation to be the reality. And it only takes a very active and focused group of people. They can be a tiny one or two percent of the people in a district to make a huge change, to make a huge difference, to set these kids on a path that will lead them into really a much different experience as adults. No sexually transmitted diseases, all of the heartache and anxiety and kind of um, depression and everything that comes with having all of these really serious relationships before their bodies and their minds have fully developed, all of these things can be avoided. Maybe not for 100% of the people, but wouldn't it be better if the statistics were much to the reverse? Fewer children engaging in sexual activity before they're married. That should be the goal. Percentage-wise, Sure, track the statistics, but is it that we're looking at percentages, or are we looking at each of them as a real person that can be saved from the heartache of making these adult choices while they're still children? So the scripture verse I want to share with you today, because this is all a part of our our confession, and we are also going to get into uh, Martin Luther King's niece saying Planned Parenthood's claim to his legacy, that it's intertwined. Martin Luther King's legacy is intertwined with the abortion movement, is inhuman and inhumane. We're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about the rise of Satanism in America. The verse is 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to prevent yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. That's what this Florida legislator wants to see in public schools today, and we ought to support it. We'll be back with more after this.
5: Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You can't squeeze more into three days than we will in Washington, D.C. on our spiritual heritage tour. In June and in September, we're going to the Capitol, Library of Congress, the Supreme Court, Lincoln Memorial, the Korean and Vietnam Memorials, the Iwo Jima Memorial, the Arlington National Cemetery, the White House, that's outside, Jefferson Memorial and the National Archives, and We're going to Mount Vernon on that Saturday of our tour. So, so much to see, so much to do, and it includes lectures and talks from Stephen McDowell, who will be our historian along the way. For more information on these June or September Spiritual Heritage Tours and the separate tour to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown, for all the information on this, go to SpiritualHeritageTours.com. That's SpiritualHeritageTours.com.
0: Hi, I'm Crawford LaRitz with a Legacy Moment. There are times in human history in which evil seems to triumph. Wicked people and vile leaders tend to get away with almost the unthinkable. Fear, terror, and devastation mark their regimes, and for the moment, they carry out their demonic plans without any sense of moral responsibility or accountability. This was also true in our Lord's time. I mean, he was brutally murdered and crucified because he threatened the established order. The first time, he came as a lamb and submitted to what had to be. However, the second time, it's going to be a very different story. The next time, he is coming as King of kings and Lord of lords, and the world will submit to what must be. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. This passage says that our Lord is coming, and when he comes back again... He will indeed be triumphant. Every person who has ever lived will be held accountable. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess without exception. Even the most pompous, vile, maniacal leader will be forced to say yes to Jesus Christ on that day. Here's what I want you to remember and do today. Humbly submit to Jesus Christ now as your King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He loves you and wants you to spend eternity with him. Join Crawford-Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I hope you had had so far today an amazing Martin Luther King holiday. Um, it's just been such a pleasure to have, we have all the kids. <laughs> They're all here. It's been super fun having them here over the weekend and also uh, into today because they have the day off from school. And now it's my pleasure to welcome frequent guests of the program and fan favorite. Uh, we love it when Kira comes on and joins us. Kira Davis, contributor to townhall.com. Kira, thank you for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Hi, Stacey. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Happy MLK Day. It has been interesting to see how over the years, you know, Kara, that they're uh, morphing Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. I'm emphasizing Reverend from a real activist and, you know, thought leader. And he was at the forefront of nonviolent conflict resolution to some kind of abortion supporter. Like and he's he's king of all the liberal causes. It's like they're rewriting his history year by year.
4: Well, that, that's not unusual. I mean, they've rewritten a lot of history. I mean, all you do is get on Twitter and listen to your, any far-lost progressive talk about Jesus. You know, that's a complete, the Jesus they talk about is a completely different. Jesus, than what you're going to find in the Bible.
6: <laughs> but, you
4: know, they like to rewrite history. I mean, think about how, from remember how much they hated George Bush, D.W.C.? You know, mm-hmm. they hated him. He was the devil incarnate, and now he's. Hero. Everybody loves George
1: Bush now. So. Well, <laughs> you know what, Kara? They they love him because he seems to have made a candy exchange friendship with Michelle Obama, and mm-hmm. he spent eight years with his lips pressed firmly shut while Barack Obama was president. In the minute. Donald Trump becomes president and he's got his mouth wagging and he's criticizing him and <laughs> yep. you know liberals will take anybody. They're they're against you true. until you show some favor. Like if you give them just a little slightest bit of favor, they're all over you. They're like, "Oh, come over to the dark side with us. It's warm over here. Come on." <laughs> so true. So, so let's true. talk about this border security thing. I'm I'm I was feeling as if I didn't understand what Nancy Pelosi is doing because the offer to give the dreamers status of any kind, any kind of movement on the dreamers really gives them a talking point with which they can say, we forced Donald Trump, the president of the United States to give dreamers status. And we'll do even more. If you reelect us, it's something they could run on. But I, I I find it interesting that they're not doing that. And I think I I've hit the nail on the head. I'm doing some reading and what it looks like is it doesn't, the dreamer thing is something that they can run on in perpetuity. Leaving these people in limbo means they have something good. It's a it's a warm issue they can always point to that the, the Republicans oppose that they're for. And so solving that problem doesn't actually do anything good for them.
4: No, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. And I tweeted about this after the president made
1: his most recent
4: offer. And I said, you know... This could be a win for the Democrat Party. They could spin this as a win. He gave them all kinds of concessions. Now I certainly believe he gave them, knowing that they wouldn't take it. But he, they could get everything they want, and isn't that the art of negotiation? I've heard a lot of conservatives complaining about Trump giving away the store, about this is not a good deal. Trump is not a conservative because he's giving. No, this is called negotiation. And no matter what happens with this border wall, we're all going to end up with something we don't like. That's what compromise is. But if you want the border wall, you're going to have to give give a little. So Trump gave them all of this stuff. They still said no. It's everything they've been asking for. They could run on that in 2020. Look at what we made Trump do. Mm-hmm. They could run on it, and they couldn't do that. And that's because the Democrats, it can't. It, once this problem gets solved, They can't run on it. And, Stacey, that's why they won't fund that border wall, because they know the border wall is going to solve this problem. Not totally, obviously, because there's no such thing. Mm. But this problem is, is probably, the border wall is probably going to be a huge part of an immigration, illegal immigration solution in this country. And they know that. They know a wall is going to work. And what happens when the wall works? They can't run on that issue anymore. And it's the same, you and I have talked about it for years same with poverty, welfare, all of that, they can't fix things because if they fix things, they can't run on those things, and that's all this is about. And it's pathetic and sad.
1: You know. Okay, so you you brought it up, and I'm I'm rearing to go there. The Democrats actually have a terrible record of solving problems for the groups of constituents that they, you know, claim to be their core group, like blacks and minorities, Hispanics. They don't increase the number of blacks or Hispanics or Asians or anyone else who are employed. Republican presidents do that. They don't increase wealth and prosperity or the number of uh, you know people who've purchased homes and are building wealth through home ownership. They never do any of those things when they're in charge. They just increase government programs, which then in turn make people poorer. Obamacare made people poorer. So I see them kind of pivoting over, Kira. Like, remember when we black people, we were the ones. We were the core constituencies of the democrats now it's refugees and illegal Mm -hmm. immigrants and they seem like they they feel like we owe them our allegiance we have to vote for them i have a one of my favorite things i saw over the last week is a person that i used to be very good friends with who happens to be a liberal and she happens to be of the not she doesn't have a permanent tan she actually posted Mm -hmm. on her facebook page that there's a picture uh, it's a black and white image of a woman punching herself in the face and her fist is still inside her own face and it says you women voting for republicans women and minorities voting for republicans is just like this punching yourself in the face and i i looked at that and she feels like she has largesse to say that because obviously she's, she's a woman and she's married to a, a black man so they have you know their their children are ethnically diverse and she, mm. But that's the whole mantra of the Democrats. It's not that our policies are better. Come over here. We, we have prosperity over here. We have food and warmth and shelter and prosperity. Come on in. It's, hey, if you're not voting for us, you're punching yourself in the face. And we're supposed to be attracted to that? I don't find that to be convincing at all. But apparently it is convincing because there's so much
4: narrative out there. I mean, I, I had a, a reader comment on one of my posts the other day, and said, you know, um, maybe part of the problem with with how Black people vote is that, you know, um, they know. I was complaining about how our vote is, you know, ninety percent in one party, and they can use us because of that. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, maybe it's ninety percent because Black people know they uh, they in, instinctively recognize who has their best interests at heart. And I am like, really? Because we've been voting Democrat for about 65 years now, but every time an election comes around, I'm told about how much worse things are for us. At what point do you look at these votes and say, things aren't ever better? The Democrats keep running on how horrible things are. We keep voting for them, saying, oh, things are going to get better, and they never get better. So then in the next election cycle, they have to be like, things aren't better, you better vote for us. At what point do we lose our brains and say, Geez, things aren't mm-hmm. better? Maybe my vote is being late. Good. there's nothing to do with which party is for black people or for white people i don't you know what stacy i don't want the republican party to be for black people i don't want them to do anything for black people i want them to leave us all alone make it easy on us to start our own business to keep more of our own money and to mm-hmm. educate our own children and then get the heck out of our way that's all i want i don't want any political party doing stuff for me. Don't do stuff for me. I can do stuff for myself. You know, just let me just let me be.
1: So you make the point well, but I have a question and I I have an answer to it, but I get asked this a lot. And uh, it is, well, if the wall is so important to us as Republicans, conservatives, people on the right, moderates, whatever we call ourselves, if it's so important, then when the Republicans had control of government, why didn't they do it? Or the last mm-hmm. time they had control, back when it was George Bush, or at any point where they've had control of the government and they could have rammed it through, it hasn't gotten done, which is the same thing that happens with the Democrats, by the way. They don't get their amnesty done. They don't get because their their whole mm-hmm. party is just as splintered as ours. What's your answer to that? And and I have one too, but I wanna I wanna hear what you say to people when they when they say that, when they ask that.
4: Okay. Okay, I'm interested to hear if it's the same as mine. I know. My opinion, my, my opinion is, is that the Republicans do that for the same reasons the Democrats do. They have to run on these issues. So they ran on Obamacare for years and years, right? Then they had the chance to, to kill it. Wouldn't do it. Why? Because now they like can always run on this. Now, um, Trump doesn't have that problem, and that's what makes him different. See? All of these people, Republicans and Democrats, they're all, all they're doing is running for re-election. That's all they're—every proposal they make, every time they come out and say, we want to help you, do X, Y, Z, all they're doing is running for re-election. Trump doesn't have—he's not burdened with having to be what the voters want him to be, because he couldn't care less if he got elected or not. You know, he'll go back to his life as a private citizen doing billions of business. So he's fine. He's not a career politician, so he doesn't have to be beholden to, to what he thinks the voters want to see and want to hear. But all of these other people, their career is politics, so mm-hmm. they have to make sure that they always have a job. So if problems get solved, they don't have jobs anymore. It's why the race issue is never going to get solved. Why Al Sharpton's never going to proclaim us post-racial, because so then mm-hmm. he's out of a job. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm similar. Um, I also, I, I will continue your theme by just saying the reason it doesn't get done is because it's a unit party. Uh, and this is the first time mm. in my adult life, Kira, that I've actually heard this and believed it. Um, if you, know, five years ago, 10 years ago, if you'd said this to me, I'd have say, no, 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 they're unit party. No, they're, di- they're two distinct entities. I truly believe that a lot of the individuals, when, when Donald Trump started talking about draining the swamp. And he began to really delineate what his campaign was about. And we saw more and more Republicans become never Trumpers. And I know there was some real principled opposition to him. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who were never Trump because he wasn't a sweater vest wearer. He couldn't give speeches like Mitt Romney. He wasn't boring like John McCain. You know, he he, all that stuff there to me is truth in this idea that that Republicans and Democrats, some of them are too halves of the same thing, an apple, an orange, a coin, whatever your your circular thing you like. There's Republicans who have some of the same aims as Democrats. And so they they do fight, but it's a show. It's like WWE or WWF. It's not real. They're fighting each other. But in their off hours, they're getting money from the same donors. They have a lot of the same aims, which one of which is cheap Foreign labor, people who don't want breaks, people who don't know what their rights are, people who don't, you know, they never unionize, they never do anything to upset their employer and they don't want to be paid a ton because they're used to a dollar a day. A steady stream of those keeps wages low and means that a lot of Americans can just be written off. So they don't have to worry about constituents so much. They need some, but they don't need a huge number of them. I, I believe that's a part of the problem. So this is my last question for you, and it's similar, but it's different in that I had someone send me a note. It's a video of a guy. I have no idea who this guy is. He happens to be a white guy. He did a viral video, and he says the reason why... Uh, white people and Americans in general voted for Donald Trump is because they hated the idea of an articulate, intelligent, capable, successful black man being the president. And Donald Trump is the antithesis to that. And he strokes white racism. And that's why uh, 64 million Americans voted for him. Now, I happen to be in that group. I voted for Donald Trump. I'm not black or, or I'm not white. I'm black and I'm not a oligarch or an old white person. So why did I vote for Donald Trump? Why did millions of Christian evangelicals vote for Donald Trump? What's your answer to this continual trope that people keep lashing out that everyone voted for Donald Trump because they're racist and they wanted to smack back against black America and Barack Obama?
4: It's so much easier. And let me admit to you, all of your listeners, I did not vote for Donald Trump. Okay. I was one of those principled conservatives who was <laughs> like, I am gonna... <laughs> I regret it. I bet at... Trump has actually changed my mind on a lot of things um and and i've actually come over the last years to be a supporter so Mm -hmm. i was not in that group but i never once thought that group was racist and horrific and i think what it is, is i don't think it's any different than it's ever been it's this is as usual it's just amplified by social media so this is the narrative that has always worked for the left before we paint the right as racist and we don't give any history of that we don't we don't have to have any proof for that. They're racist because they want smaller government, and since a lot of minorities depend on government, that makes them racist. Now, obviously, I find that idea to be racist. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. minorities who want their government because they need to depend on government, I find that a racist idea. But if this is not a different idea than 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 has been going on for the last fifty years. This is amplified by social media because. This is what it is. What it is, Stacey, is there are a whole group of people in this country, a lot on the left, but some on the right, represented in the hashtag NeverTrump camp, who cannot accept that they don't understand other people. They, don't un- that they think they have all the answers, and when people don't act according to the way they have painted these people, according to the way they imagine these people, they can't accept that they got it wrong. That's the problem. They can't accept that they got it wrong. Mm. So it's got to be all us that got it wrong. It's got to be everybody else that got it wrong. And when you refuse, when you're so dug into your position that you don't want to see any other side of an the issue, then you will succumb to hyperbole. Then you will be um, judgmental and harsh and heartless. Because to, to do otherwise, to actually consider another point of view, would mean that you have to admit you're wrong. And there are a lot of people in this country who don't want to admit that maybe they weren't wrong about Trump. You know, maybe they don't like him and they still don't agree with him, but that they're wrong about their fellow citizens. And it's them that's the problem and not Mm. their fellow citizens in flyover countries.
1: And as usual, you're dead on.
4: I'd actually forgotten (laughs) because
1: we've talked about this before, Kira. You have discussed before how you didn't vote for Donald Trump at first, but he brought you over. And I Mm -hmm. actually think that is some of the more fascinating nature of the of the presidency of Donald Trump, that he's been able to win over principled opposition such as yourself um, to to bring you in on on the merit of what he's been able to accomplish. As usual. Fantastic. Thank you, my sister, for joining today and for being so awesome. Kara Davis from townhall.com. Good to talk to you. Thanks, baby. All right. Talk to you again soon. We'll be back with more right after this, you guys. American Family Radio, Urban Family Talk. Be right back.
2: Physical activity is the new trend it's not a bad thing unless it has brought a sense of vanity in your life. Two years ago, I was not happy with the number on the scale, nor how I looked. I've never been a huge person, but I was, as the old folks would say, healthy. (laughs) I joined a gym, gained a personal trainer, even changed some of my eating habits. The Lord checked me one day and in my spirit said, why are you disgusted with yourself? Be healthy, take care of the temple I've loaned you, but do it because you want to honor this body, which is your responsibility while on this earth. I said, You better let me know, Abba. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 15 pounds down, I know that even if I was to never look like Serena Williams with those nice framed worked out arms, I am wonderfully made in his image. And so are you. With the heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. Life is never picture perfect.
1: Human beings come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and abilities. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we think we're prepared, the unplanned happens all the time. It's how we respond to the unexpected that shows
6: our true
1: humanity. But many do not see the value of every human life. Too many are willing to discard those who don't fit the picture of perfection. Abortion destroys the chance to love and to be loved. We never know what will fill the frames of our lives or how empty those frames can be when we allow exceptions.
2: Every life is a
0: gift. Learn more at www.radiance.life. Donald Trump's America.
6: With the partial government shutdown in his fifth week, Vice President Mike Pence spent part of the weekend promoting the White House's offer for a three-year fix for immigrants brought to the U.S. illegally as children in exchange for $5.7 billion in border funding.
5: What President Trump did here was he, he set the table for a deal.
6: The vice president telling Fox News Sunday that Democrats dismissed the idea out of hand.
5: You know, it, it was disappointing to see Speaker Pelosi Reject uh, the offer before the president gave his speech.
6: Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says it was a president who took away DACA protections in the first place.
0: Offering some of those protections that he took away back in exchange for the wall is not a compromise, but hostage-taking.
6: Democrats want to reopen the government first, then negotiate, facing criticism from hardline conservatives. The Trump administration says the plan is not amnesty because it does not include a path to citizenship. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland. Fox News.
0: Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Well, I'm glad the special counsel did it. It was the right thing to do. He deserves credit for that. I think the president gave him credit for that. I guess the question that I would have, Maria, is uh, why now, almost two years into the special counsel's tenure, Uh, does he take this extraordinary action to uh, correct a fake news or false news article about the special counsel when there have been dozens of them uh, over the last uh, two years? So is that just a coincidence or does it have something to do with the fact that 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 happened two days after an attorney general nominee said, for the first time, I'm going to grade the special counsel's homework uh, and I'm gonna get to the bottom of all of this and, and bring a fair and expeditious conclusion uh, to this matter. So, uh, I don't think it's as much of a coincidence as it is a cause and effect of what happened earlier in the week at the attorney general's, uh, confirmation. Yeah. I want to, all
1: right. So you were just listening to, uh, a little bit of discussion on Fox news about why Mueller's office chose to, uh, you know, speak out about the Buzzfeed report. Now there have been some really serious, uh, you know, news news missteps, fake news, like actual fake news. And I know, you know, the term fake news has been used so much that some people, when they hear it, they're like, well, that must be fake news because they're using the term fake news. But fake news is real, and there's been a lot of it surrounding the Mueller investigation. And it has been put forward as fact without any corroboration or substantiation by unnamed sources and things like that. And there is a place for unnamed sources, but it has to be from a credible, trusted news outlet where you know the standards are such that, It's not just some person who really wants to see the president impeached, planting a story and saying, I'm an unnamed source. You can't use my information. And I'm not providing any corroboration other than I heard it at the White House. And then that goes out as news. Millions of Americans listening to news and hearing that Donald Trump must be impeached, has to be impeached. They've heard it so much. It's been an advertising campaign. And because of that, a lot of Americans feel like it's inevitable and that they really shouldn't push back on the idea that Donald Trump is a racist. He needs to be impeached. He needs to be removed from office. He's done something. They're not sure what they don't see any evidence of it. But they've been told so many times that it's true that they're just it's like uh, creating the inevitability of something that you want to happen by convincing people that it's going to happen When the true impetus for it happening is that you want it, not that there's support for it or evidence or anything that could actually produce that outcome other than the notion that it is going to happen. Right. The the gaslighting of America, it's 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 outstanding. It's stunning in its effectiveness to see the media operate on behalf of their overlords, the Democrats, in pushing this narrative and convincing millions of Americans without any proof. Now, take this situation, and shrink it down to your world. All of a sudden, there's a campaign at work to say that you believe something that goes against your company's mission statement or that you've shared secrets from your workplace with a competitor. There's no evidence, there's no proof. Your competitor's not even using or putting forward a product that would be the result of that kind of sharing. Yet, a group of people at your workplace continues to put that forward to your coworkers, to your boss, to your boss's boss it begins to snowball out of control you're not given a chance to refute it other than you're telling people what did you where did you hear that i i don't even know anybody at our competitor I'm, no what I, I don't know what you're talking about you're dismissing it but behind the scenes it is in hr now hr is looking at your patterns you know your social media hr is trying to figure out is this true did this person do this did, did, did our employee give away something that's integral to our business model to a competitor and they're looking all over for anything that supports this idea. They haven't brought you in. HR has not said we need a meeting so and you need to bring evidence that you didn't do this. They haven't given you a chance to defend yourself. And then when they finally do have enough basically circumstantial, enough people who'll say, "Yeah, he did it." Then they bring you in and you have to disprove. So basically, you have to disprove the negative instead of saying, "I'm innocent." You prove to me that I did this. You have to come in and prove that you're innocent. Does that sound like something you'd want to go through? Does that sound like something? If you saw it happening to a coworker, you wouldn't begin to question why you work at that organization? This place doesn't have integrity. This place railroads people for no reason. Wouldn't you look at the other people who were doing it and wonder, when does does your turn come around? Because we all know that's how this thing works. The Bible is true. It's what's happening to President Trump. A dossier created as a piece of opposition research and paid for by the Clinton campaign in part is the source document for the entire Mueller investigation. People are now going to jail for things they did 15, 20 years before they ever knew Donald Trump. People are going to jail for things that they did while they knew President Trump that have zero to do with Russian collusion or anything like that. And those prosecutions are being used to bolster the idea that the president is a Russian agent and must be impeached. That he's inept and must be impeached. That he must be removed. But we don't know why. This shit sent chills down the spine of any person, including Democrats, because when they have a president in power, say Kamala Harris, what's to stop the Republicans from creating a whisper campaign within the intelligence agencies and bringing her down? Who is safe from this type of, it's like third world type stuff, communist Russia type stuff. You start a rumor. You put a person in a gulag and torture them until they tell you that they did it. Yes, they did it. Just stop torturing me. I'll say anything. And then you're like, well, he said he did it. So now we have to execute him and all of his family members and anyone who ever worked for him, anyone who ever said his name. Got to go. Now, obviously, the president isn't being physically tortured, but it is a form of torture to have every news media outlet that's mainstream in America constantly chanting the word Trump impeachment 24 hours a day and refusing to let you get about the business of what you were elected to do. He has every right as the president of the United States to implement his agenda the same way that Barack Obama implemented his horrible agenda. We watched President Obama fundamentally transform this country against our will, the the half of us Americans who didn't want him to be president, and all we heard from the Democrats was elections have consequences. Funny, elections don't have consequences for the Democrats. When they lose, they basically say, we didn't lose, and they get all stompy foot and start hyperventilating and screaming at the sun, and then they just go about undoing the results of the election. Is this who we are now? We don't have peaceful transfer of power as Americans anymore. Now, every time we lose an election, we have to undo it through the impeachment process or the 25th Amendment or any, any by hook or by crook. That's who the Democrats are now. That's their party. The party of resistance, the party of impeachment, the party of we don't negotiate, which is all that Congress, when you have divided government, the American people are saying now the two parts have to find a middle and negotiate. When the American people give all of the government to one party, they're saying you're in control now. What are you going to do with this power when they don't do what they said they were going to do, namely repeal Obamacare? and fix immigration, then the Republicans had the power, some of it taken from them and given to the Democrats. And now they're supposed to get together and negotiate. But they can't do it because now the Democrats just want to see the president removed as if Mike Pence would be any better. And I'm talking about for their perspective. I think, you know, he's fantastic. Vice President Pence is a wonderful person and he would make a fantastic president, but he's not going to be a departure from what President Trump's agenda is. As far as I know, he believes all the same things. So let's listen to, uh, this was a long interview I posted on the Facebook page if you want to watch it. And by long, I mean seven minutes. Um, But the whole Mueller investigation is tainted and based upon a lie. Here's a bit more audio that kind of gives you some perspective. And the reason we're going over this today is because obviously the Mueller investigation is not going according to plan with the Democrats. But they're going to move forward with impeachment anyway. They're not going to need actual evidence. They have innuendo and the media as their bullhorns to convince Americans that the president should be impeached. And they feel that impeaching him would hobble him. And the only way it really works is if the president says, you know what, I'm stepping down. I've been impeached. I'm stepping down. Now, I don't see Donald Trump doing that. But we as Christians have to be praying that he would hold his ground and that the Democrats would fail at their attempt to undo the result of the 2016 election. Now, here's this bit. Uh, It's it's number three.
3: Bruce Orr raised his right hand and under penalty of perjury said what the FBI and the Department of Justice knew and when they knew it about Christopher Steele and the Steele dossier. And again, it was the opposite of what uh, Jim Himes said last week. And it was the opposite of what Adam Schiff uh, put in a memo that he released to the American public last year on that subject. Um, but then again, those of us on Capitol Hill know that uh, when Adam Schiff and the truth um, have always had a very strained relationship and haven't always uh, gotten along very well.
7: Well, you know, Adam Schiff was out talking about, you know, him seeking the truth uh, in other areas, but nothing about this. Let's go through these transcripts, because you say to Bruce Orr, okay, so again, so the record is clear. What the Department of Justice and the FBI were aware of prior to the first FISA application was your relationship with Christopher Steele and Glenn Simpson, your wife's uh, relationship with Christopher Steele and Glenn Simpson. Mr. Steele's bias against Donald Trump, Mr. Simpson's bias against Donald Trump, your wife's compensation for work, Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS, uh, uh, correct? And then he answers you. So his lawyer gets, uh, gets involved and says, can I have a second? Then Mr. Orr, Bruce Orr, answers you and says, right. So just again, to reiterate, when I spoke with the FBI, I told them my wife was working for Fusion GPS. I told them Fusion GPS was was doing research on Donald Trump. You know, I don't know. I I know if I use the term opposition research, but certainly that was my what I tried to convey to them. So, explain this exchange and what you got from it.
3: Well, remember, uh, Bruce Orr is the number four person at the Department of Justice at the time, and why this is important, Maria, is, you know, what we've been hearing from Jim Himes and from Adam Schiff, and frankly from the FBI and the Department of Justice was that the FBI and the Department of Justice really didn't know much about the Steele dossier until much, much later in the fall of 2016. Bruce Orr said under oath um, that before the Russia investigation was ever opened on July 30th, 2016, he sat down with Christopher Steele. He knew that Christopher Steele um, uh, had put together this dossier uh, at the direction of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats he knew that Christopher Steele was biased and determined to stop Donald Trump. And that's why he wasn't willing to vouch for the credibility or the reliability of Christopher Steele in the dossier. And we know that he told that to the number two person at the FBI, Andy McCabe, then Lisa Page, then Peter Strzok, then Andrew Weissman, uh, most of whom ended up on uh, Bob Mueller's special counsel team. So. Uh, Again, all of this flies in the face, most importantly, of what was uh, submitted to the FISA court months later. None of this was revealed. None of this uh, was disclosed. um, And that's why it's so uh, significant.
1: So the voice you just heard there is Texas Republican Representative John Ratcliffe. And um, it, it is curious, don't you think? It is curious that Robert Mueller would choose to make this choice now. But You know, last week we had the confirmation hearing for Mr. Barr, who he's been nominated to be the attorney general of the United States. He has said that he will definitely oversee the Mueller investigation to make sure that it's done fairly. And, you know, it occurred to me and I, I don't know how many of you listening this occurred to you, too. But there was such a I would term it a rage, a very upset President Trump for almost two years because Jeff Sessions recused himself from. Oversight on the Mueller investigation. Do you think if Jeff Sessions had been overseeing the Mueller investigation, the other stories that came out that were lies would have been allowed to stand on their face? Or do you think that he would have said, You have to refute that? That's out in the world now, and Americans think that the president has done this, he's done that, he's guilty of this, he's guilty of that. Wrap your investigation up. It's been 12 months. If you haven't found collusion yet, you need to wrap it up. The taxpayers are paying for this. There are so many things that oversight by a competent Individuals such as Jeff Sessions would have accomplished that the president was literally enraged that that wasn't happening, not because Jeff Sessions would have swayed the investigation from one direction or other, but because Jeff Sessions simple oversight would have encouraged Mueller to be this, quote unquote, upright individual above reproach, yada, yada, yada. Remember, Democrats only worship and hero worship and lift up Republicans when Republicans are doing their bidding like Mueller is doing. The fact that he didn't end the investigation when he found out that the FISA warrants were based on an opposition research document that was written by someone who was actually employed by the FBI for a period of time, the fact that he didn't dismiss it then means he's not upright and above reproach. So programming note, because we're at the end of this first hour and we will have news, onenewsnow.com news and information up next. Uh, I have a new a new fan on the uh, Facebook stream Spewing profanity and just making an overall, uh, you know, great first impression. Uh, Welcome to the line of haters. Uh, It'll take you a while to get to the back because you get to go to the end of the line because the line of haters is long. And welcome to the show. And um, I got to say, the more you think about this, if, if, you, if you can think, if your brain synapses actually fire and they're connected and you can go from logical point A to point B and if you can actually assess information and analyze it and come up with conclusions that uh, you know aren't romper room or you know conclusions for nincompoops, part six, then you can tell that, first of all, you wouldn't want this to be you. Second of all, you wouldn't want your government to be executing these kinds of witch hunts on your behalf with your tax dollars. And number three, that if you're a christian and you claim that you're going to church yet you spew profanity on facebook um you would also be thinking to yourself i probably should address the beam in my own eye instead of looking at the speck in stacy's eye what whatever whatever you feel that speck might be so i just encourage you uh to if you feel like you're hearing things and you're triggered and maybe you feel warm your body's getting hot you feel the fight or flight response, you hear words coming out of someone's mouth and it's literally making you feel like you need to get and do, you know, the quick cat typing meme and type out some profanity that maybe you might need to get in the pew on Wednesday night and ask the Lord to open your eyes. You might need to maybe join a Bible study, maybe crack your Bible open at home and just go there first or maybe take some anger management classes or Whatever you want, just do whatever you want, but stop cursing at me. We'll be back with more. If you're leaving us now, God bless you from the heartland, and we'll see you tomorrow.